from the desk below. What up, though? You are now tuned in to From the Desk of Low. Brought to you by that feeling. Go get it. From the Desk of Low. Welcome back from the Desk of Low. I have with me a legend, the very first gold and platinum selling artist to ever, ever appear on the show. I just want to say that again. To ever appear on the show, I have the one, the only, Keith Murray. What's up? What's going on, baby? Uh, peace, peace, Ken. I just want to let you know you're the first gold and platinum selling guest to ever appear on the show. Oh, word. That's nice because you caught me at a time where I was fluctuating the universe and I'm going through my uh, emails and I saw your email and I contacted you to see what you was about and you explained to me what your demographics are and your subscribers are and how we can both help each other continue the the, the forward march of hip-hop and getting money from it. Well, you made more money off hip-hop than me, Mr. Mary. I just do it for the love of the culture. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, you're helping me make money right now and get the word out about me and your demographics so I don't have to have my own radio station where you're at. Have you ever thought about getting in, Have you ever thought about getting into radio, Mr. Murray? I've always been asked to do a radio hosted show since like 1998 when I was traveling the country and the world doing radio. But every time I had went to the people who was my caregivers, we decided that we was going to hold off, do our project, and then get back to that. But then it never came up again over and over. But I'm looking to do radio now, and once I open up shop, I want to be the best. I don't want to have a mediocre show where I can't dedicate my time with. But yes, I do want to do a radio show. You know, I want to retire rap to do a show. (laughs) And that's the best way to do it, too, because you can actually give the most amazing interviews that people wouldn't even know. Like, you can probably interview somebody like, I don't know, let's say like, like Redman, and you could ask him shit that nobody else would know. Yeah, it's all in the questions, right? Yes, sir. Um, so, Mr. Murray, is it true that Stevie Wonder is your favorite artist? Well, yes, he's one of my favorites. Bob Marley is my favorite artist. Oh, wow. I never would have suspected that. But you actually met Stevie Wonder, and he actually knew who Keith Murray was because his caretaker was like, yo, that's Keith Murray. Yeah. How'd you know that? Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> you know, he actually had to tell him, he's like, yo, that's Keith Murray and Stevie Wonder's like, the most beautiful fan in this world. Um, I've been a fan of you for a long time, Mary, so I pay attention to you. I actually have the Death Squad CD in my hands. That's what's up. Word, Stevie Wonder know me. He can't even see. So I don't give a fuck what I hate about me. <laughs> um, you- and that's a genius. He's like number two. Um, what did you say to him? It's like Bob Marley, 
Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. But Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson is a toss-up. Oh. You got Curtis Mayfield. Oh, wow. You pull out the legends. Prince. You got George Clinton. My Uncle George. Um, George Clinton is my uncle. Like the one who collaborated with Tupac on Can't See Me, right? Who, George Clinton? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, yes. Collaborate with Tupac? You don't know who George Clinton is? Um, to be honest, sir, I mostly listen to hip-hop. Like, I don't even listen to rock. Get out of here. You don't know who P-Funk, George Clinton, P-Funk, Italian? Like, I heard of George Clinton before when he collaborates with hip-hop artists, sir, but I never actually, like, straight up listened no, to an album. he came from him. He, he's one of the most sample... Bands and artists in the world of hip hop. George Clinton, Peace Fucking Dallas. Are you crazy? The mothership has landed. I'm be, I'm be straight up, Mr. Murray. I only ever heard of. Who called his mother? No, sir. I only, I only ever heard um, his collaborations when he collaborates with other artists like Ice Cube and Tupac. How old are you? I'm 28. But 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 see this is the beauty about it too because people my age they don't even know who Black Moon is and I had to like literally wait a minute wait wait you said to me earlier that somebody introduced somebody to who Buckshot Buckshot Shorty yes sir Black Moon Duck Down you said you said you wanted to slap them yes I did I did. Well, I want to devil slap your ass for not knowing Uncle George is P-Funk. Your listener is going to tell you that. <laughs> your mind going to get blown right now. When you hang up, you going to pull up George Clinton, and your mind going to get blown. You know, <laughs> I actually saved that on my notes to pull it up after this interview, so I bet you it will. Oh, great minds take a right. Um, so, Mr. Murray, too, um, is it also very true that when you were coming up in the game, too, did K-Solo really bring you to Eric Sherman's house? Yes, he did. If, um, you know the history behind me. I'm from Central Ice of Long Island by way of Roosevelt, Long Island, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. So I was born in Nassau, I was moved to something, and my family was in Brooklyn, so... Jay Solo is from Central Ice of Long Island. He's a couple of years older than me. He used to battle this guy named Heath at the high school. And my friend Wink was, fr- was his cousins with Eric Sherman, one of my best friends. And he knew Solo. So we would be on the Carlton Avenue selling drugs. We ran up on Solo, spitting rhymes. In the store, he was like, yo, Keith, you're going to be famous and paid because you got stories. And then I heard Eric Sherman's mother Eric's from Brentwood, Long Island. I'm from Central Iceland. His mother moved to the back of Central Iceland. So I said, yo, Solo, take me to E House. He said, I meet me on Lowell Avenue at 5 o'clock. I went on Lowell, drove down the block. I had this gray Montero with the with a sign on the back. The wheel, the wheel on the back said Urban Gorilla. It was gray. It was dirty. I was driving down low. I saw Solo talking to a girl. I don't know if it was Renee, but nah, it wasn't Renee. I don't know. <laughs> but 
<laughs> he was talking to a girl, so I turned around and went there, and then I followed him to Eric's house. And then he knocked on the door, he eventually came to the door, and then he introduced me to E. Um, is it really true that you have an unreleased video with Cool G Rap and Big Taddy Kane, Keith Murray? Is it really true that you have an unreleased Cool G rap and Big Daddy Kane video with you, sir? Well, my uncle born, true, God bless his dad, he's from East New York, Crown Heights, Brooklyn. He's the bodyguard for Big Daddy Kane. So, I started writing rhymes at 12 years old. Eventually, when I was 15 turning 16, I used to be in the studio with Uncle Born at his house, and he used to go to the shows, and then I, we started coming outside to the shows with Uncle Born, hanging around Big Daddy Kane, seeing the show from the side like a little kid. And then he put me in the smooth operator video. I was the kid in the front with the blue North Carolina hat on. You don't see my face, but it's That was you? Wow. Front. That's me. <laughs> wow, okay, you just blew my mind right there, because I know that video. That's me with the gray sweatshirt and the blue hat. Yo, that's you see my face <laughs> crazy. Yo, that's crazy, that's you. Word. So, yeah, so oh, it was Big Daddy King's birthday. And after the show at Nassau Coliseum, we went to a diner in Canarsie. And King was there at the head of the table. And it was a big long table, and everybody was there. My cousins, my uncles, and us, and then the uh, Kane's people, and some other artists. And my uncle always had a camera, and then Kane was rhyming, and then somebody else rhymed. And then my uncle always would take me around Brooklyn to battle people. He was like an agitator of battles, like, please get in here. And I used to be going in because I used to go home and write my rhymes to study. And I couldn't wait for my uncle born to take me to Brooklyn, to the projects, like all many projects with DJ Tracks from and stuff like that, to just match rhymes for people and see who's out there, who's dying in the battle. You know what I'm saying? Is that, that your uncle T-Roy, right? No, uncle born true. Oh, wow. Uncle T-Roy was the one in Roosevelt. He's the youngest son. My father, Keith Omar Murray Senior, Bubba. I'm Baby Bubba, a.k.a. Keysmo. That's my nickname in Roosevelt. Keysmo, Baby Bubba. My father is a senior, the oldest, and my Uncle T-Roy, the original B-Boy, was the youngest son out of six boys. So I used to gravitate around them too, and in between my other uncles taught me a lot of basketball and business and life and stuff like that. And I had two aunts. I got two aunts in Roosevelt for my grandmother Dolly May. I had two grandmothers, Dolly May and Buddha. They're eighty-four years old. Oh wow, wow, that's long ago. Wow. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, God, God bless them. They're alive and they're kicking. I talk to them every day, and my kids know them and. And they're the pillars of our family because my mother and father passed away. My father passed away when I was in eighth grade and my mother passed away when I was 19 before I came out with my first record, the most beautiful thing in the world when I turned 20. I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. Murray. Yeah, I appreciate you. Appreciate it. So Uncle Ball was like, Keith, go ahead and get up in there. So I had the tiger hat on and I was just spitting rhymes, spitting rhymes. And Kane was like, how old are you? <laughs> 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 you were 16? Holy shit. Word. 
and then I went to a party that Fly Ty had in Queens for the Juice Crew. And Uncle Bourne had me up in the room. And he was like, they was rhyming, G-Rap was rhyming, men at work, men at work. And then Kingdom was rhyming, and Pitts was there. And then Uncle Bourne was like, Keith, go ahead, Keith. He was always edging me on. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Keith. So I started spitting, blah, blah. I seen Cool V do an interview about that, and then Cool V was like, well, he spitting. They was like, nah. But it wasn't like, nah. Pitts was like, sign him. And then fly tired of them. I was just so young and they were just moving so fast that they didn't have time for the little kid that was spitting, you know what I'm saying? Because I used to emulate my style after tragedy, Gaddafi too. Oh, Intelligent Hoodlum. Yes, sir, I know him. Intelligent Hoodlum. That's my man to this day, but he was like my age and he was a young kid doing it with Molly Maul, who I do music with now. And I was by the radio in Long Island listening to Red Alert play the record. And I was the kid writing the rhymes, listening, knowing every hip-hop record that ever came on the radio word-to-word when Mr. Magic and Red Alert came on. Um, is it true when you were a kid that you heard EPMD's It's My Thin and you lost your mind? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I love hearing that story by you. What happened was, I got goosebumps just now. See, what happened was, the first two records I ever bought was Run DMC, Tougher Than Leather, where they had the um, the puffy leather coats on. Yes, I remember those. Dougie, yeah, Tougher Than Leather. And then... Um, Dougie Fresh. Uh, Dougie Fresh. And, huh? Dougie Fresh. You heard this story? Mr. Murray, I've been a fan of you for a very long time. <laughs> wow, it was Dougie Fresh and Freak Rick the show. I went to Freeport Mall, I bought the cassette from Run DMC, and I bought the vinyl. For Dougie um, Fresh. Show. And that's all I used to play was that cassette and that vinyl. But my Uncle T Roy had vinyl cassettes of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, I always used to play. And his friend Dave came over and was like, yo, let me hold that tape. And I gave him the tape, and Uncle T Roy came home and was like, where's my tape at? I said, Dave asked me to borrow it. I listened to him. Yo, that nigga went crazy <laughs> me. Like, crazy. Don't you ever give nobody a tape out of this house and it wasn't yours? That's how I knew hip-hop was so sacred. I was a little kid. I was sitting there looking at him shook like... Oh, yeah. That went too. What did I just do? I felt so bad I gave that tape away, yo. But... But... Yeah. It, back to your... But it also, but it, but it also showed you too that hip hop is such a sacred thing, though. Word, because I asked my uncle T Roy, I said, "Yo," because the first record I really heard was King Cut the Third and the Fatback Band. Oh wow! We strong as a house, we tall as a tree. We can rock you so viciously with the bass in your face, the highs in your eyes. <laughs> we can rock you so mesmerized. I was like, "Yo, uncle." How do they do that? He was like, he told me, he said, yo, grab a pen, write it down, read it back to yourself, and see how it sounds. It might sound like I'm just an MC, but I'm not. I'm a prince of poetry. And he said, write that out and remember it. I wrote it out and remembered it, then I started remembering the rhymes, and ever since then I just kept going, going with it, writing all the songs out. Then I was in school. 
because I'm a big student in school. I was in English class, in history class, and the words in the English class would just keep coming at me, the vocabulary. And then I heard cool heat, ultramagnetic. Cool. I was like, oh shit, what the fuck? <laughs> this is crazy. I was like, yo. Then I was in Roosevelt to get back to the E, P, and D question. Yes. I was listening to the radio. It was like in the afternoon, like evening. And then I heard Eric Sherman say, I stay on track. Like a Long Island trinkataka. I said, a Long Island trink or trink like a Long Island trinkataka. That was the first time I ever heard a metaphor. I was like, oh shit, that pertains to me. Because I remember I took the train and the Long Island Railroad, my mother and father used to take me to Roosevelt and Brooklyn. I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. I can put what I see in my mind on paper to the music. Yo, to the beat, and they could play it on the radio. I was, I was like, oh shit! And Eric Rich, then he was like, stay on track, like our Long Island check out, check out. I didn't know what he was saying, but I heard Long Island, and I had to figure out what was he saying. He said train conductor. He was like check out, check Because you told me you had a speech, and you got a speech impediment like Eric Sermon a list. Yes, sir. And Coogee Rap got a list. So I was learning language, how to flip the tongue, three-syllable, four-syllable words, science. And then I started dealing with the father-sent nation from Uncle Born True. That was bodyguard of Big Daddy Kane. So I was putting in the music with the nation of Islam. Then I heard Public Enemy. They was from Roosevelt. I used to be in Centennial Park. I was like in, I was in eighth grade. I didn't really know how to play seventh grade. I didn't know how to play basketball. So I used to stand at the foul line all day with the sun beaming on my forehead. And I used to hear, Yeah, yeah, the rhythm, the rebel, the 98 cops, they had the 98 Cadillac cars. I was a little nigga, they was bending corners. And it was all exciting. I was like, holy shit, yo, this is what I'm going to do. And look what you done in the long run, Mr. Murray. You have gold and platinum albums. Not that much artists can ever say that. By the grace of God, I'm here on the wing in the prayer. Through Eric Sermon, he uh, figured out how to make me chop my lyrics up and put me on the right smooth uh, rhythms with the vocabulary and then it just took off and then he did a video for um, Puff Daddy called um, um, what he, oh no, Puff Daddy produced the video hitting switches. Yo, Eric Sermon in Manhattan. Yo, Puff Daddy? Puff did that? Holy shit, I didn't know that. Puff did that. Word. And I went there, I had a leather jacket on, and I had got some weed from <laughs> And Biggie Smalls was there. Oh. I didn't really know Biggie Smalls, but I seen him with the video with Super Cat. Yes. And um, bling, bling, who's that? <laughs> Classic. And then Biggie was like, yo. The biggie was like, yo, who got some weed? <laughs> I was like, well, I bought some weed and you just chipping some money out the <laughs> And then we got cool like that. And then we start smoking together and talking. And then I was rapping with Eric. And then Puffy started hearing me. And then me and Biggie, Biggie started hearing me. And then me and Biggie said, a beeper number. Oh, yeah, I remember those. That was crazy. We had the beeping. 
done hit each other so I beat them and then I was coming from uptown Brooklyn uptown Manhattan leaning up going to get cocaine with my friend Axe and Horse in the car buying cocaine and cutting through Brooklyn then I stopped in Brooklyn and get out at the corner of Brooklyn and Biggie be on the corner I get at the back of the car and Biggie be like oh what's this pleasant surprise that I'm getting today Mr. Mary coming to see me cause then around that time I had hot style I was, my name was buzzing because I did, I was doing the hostile. I didn't do hostile yet, but I was rapping and they saw my style and I was with Ian. I was around and then we connected to the smoke and the music. Then we became friends. Then we was on the road together. Yo, that was the crazy time. Can you um, remember, because I understand that the very first time you went on tour, you followed EPMD's bus in your little car behind it, right? Yo, yeah, that's a crazy story. Yo, you think geek. Yo, I'm a fan, Mr. Murray. I'm not going to front. I've been paying attention to you since 1998. Yo, this shit is like a, a, the Keith Murray um, uh, Netflix inception to hip-hop movie is what I'm telling you. We get a writer and write this shit out like the Wu-Tang in a big Oh, my movie. God. You can have all the money. I just want to be there. You asking the right questions to make me, like, document it. You know, Mr. Mary, I just want to let you know that I never knew interviewing was my passion. Because, honestly, for 10 plus years, I was trying to find my passion in life. Like, I almost committed suicide, yeah. but, you know, somebody... What? Wait a second. What you say? Um, I almost committed suicide. But, but... Get out of here. I got a soul. Yeah, suicide prevention. Suicide prevention. But that, that shit touched my heart. My best friend committed suicide. And that's, I understood. And my band player, the bass player in my band, his father committed suicide. He was a New York cop. He committed suicide. And my friend, Two-Face, they say, careful the names you give yourself because they come back on you. My uncle born true, who took me to Big Daddy Kane and them told me that. Watch the name you give yourself because it could come back on you. True say kill yourself because he didn't want to go do life in jail and instead he shot himself. Or my cousin, my man shot Kim's birthday where he used to go with shot Kim uh shot Kim got killed from gunfire. He used to go with shot Kim's sister, he shot himself and killed himself. Damn. Yeah, your suicide prevention song, Mr. Murray, I just want to let you know, like, that shit touched my heart. I'm not going to lie. That shit... You heard it? Oh, of course I heard it. We didn't really put it out yet. We just teased it. And this month right now is Suicide Prevention Month. Yes. So we want to gear up and get with some suicide prevention and stop bullying programs and put the song and the video out and proceed and give some of the proceeds from the people who support and who know of that situation of suicide to the company so they get the word out so we can prevent people from stopping to kill themselves from the pressures of the world. And, and just to bring back what I was saying before too, um, I was trying so hard to find my call in life. Like I tried everything from being a photographer and from being to a rapper. It wasn't until I'd done my very first interview that i know that I had something. But once I interviewed MC Shan, Master Ace, Razcast twice, yeah, that let me know. Yes, sir. He just hit my phone the way you did, too. It fucked me right up. Yo, I was. Listen, listen. You could not tell me that I was not MC Shan. I knew. And when I was a kid, I knew every word to MC 
Shan records, the movements, the articulation. You couldn't tell me I wasn't MC Shan. You couldn't <laughs> tell me I wasn't LL Cool J. I was them. If they had to do a bio- biography on them, I could have played that as a kid. That's facts. I could see definitely playing MC Shan. Played LL Cool J. Because they had similar styles with the Kangos, with the sweatsuits. Oh, right. That was me. That was me. I lived vicariously through them. They made me who I am. I took myself from them. LL Cool J, MC Shan, the educated rapper from UTFO, Cool Key from Ultra Magnetic, Big Daddy Kane, G Rap, NWA, BNB. All of that came from that my style is simply be that. And the Stevie Wonder and the Bob Marley's and the you know what I'm saying? You met Stevie right. Wonder. Right. Like how much people could fucking say that and Stevie Wonder knows who they are. You know how much people wish they could say that? Well, it's a blessing. And <laughs> I have to always make sure that people know that because it's inspiration for me and I inspire people. So vicariously we live through each other. I was going away. I was at the airport and I was taking picking up my daughter and I bumped the door. He was like, Keith, I know Keith, Keith. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I gotta go home and fucking make the I, right after this interview I'm about to go focus and get my shit together. You know, uh, Mr. Murray, my favorite verse from you of all time is track fourteen, no guest list. That's my shit right there. Oh, for real? That's my the shit. Squad album? Yes, sir. Yo, I got it right in my hand, yo. That's my shit right there, yo. I stole that from my uncle. How it go? You stole it from your uncle? Yeah, he's probably going to kick my ass now because he realized what happened. But yeah, sorry, Uncle Kelly. I got your Death Squad album. Shit's wow, you fun. see how uncles are so influential in hip hop? Yes. Yes, sir. Uncles are so influential in hip hop. Because I won't front. If I, pro- if I never would have took that album once I heard full co- cooperation, I probably would have been mad late on to you, too, because I took that album from him in 2002. No, 2001. For real? Yeah, because I was in junior high That's at the, the time. Problem. 2001 is the time I came out of jail from doing three years incarceration. I did a year in the box, and I did three years for assault in the first degree, 2001. You were still in high school at the time, right? I mean, so you were in college at the time, right? 2001? Yes. No, I was coming off of a three, 36-month year bid in jail. Okay. In 2001. I did 23 hours in a cell in Big Cheshire in Connecticut. I can't imagine that, Mr. Mayor. I won't front. I can't imagine that. You missed that part about me. I was in jail for three years. But, but the way that album had the impact it did, you would never would have thought you were in jail. When I, when I did the jail, stitch, I, I left John. And I went to Death Jam when I came out of jail for three years. Oh. That, I, that I, didn't, I didn't do. And I I went to trial and I plead my innocence. And the victim said he didn't see Chief Murray at the scene of the crime. And the judge said the witnesses didn't see Chief Murray. And, but the jury found him guilty. So I have to give him five years. Damn. I did three. He took two years off because he didn't see me at the scene of the crime. But 
the DA said, I can't convict people that I don't know who did the crime if Keith Murray don't tell who did it. So I didn't tell, and they hired you three years. I'm glad he cut it down, though, because... They said, they said, they said I came in a, li a limo. I came in a van. Did you? The dude who got hurt said he didn't see me there. And I was, I, I didn't get exonerated, but to this day I didn't do it. But I ate that because I was the ringleader of a crew for LOD, and we was out wilding the game, like, kind of three bloods and crips and Latin kings, and we was out wilding it. And, and karma came back on me, and I, I, I bared that torch. 23 hours. I went to jail. The judge signed me in for solitary confinement. I had to sign myself out of the box to go into population for a year. Jeez. We went to the gym like once or twice a week. Took showers like every other day. Was in a cell with, with the, the, the toilet right there and the TV right there. For a year, looking out the window, all I saw was a deer and a tree. Damn. See, I can't imagine that, Mr. Well, Murray, but like, but to... That's when I came out with the album Enigma. But right before Enigma came out, I went in. I was sitting in court by myself, convicted for something I didn't do because of the life I led and the people I was around and I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Say I put people in jail. That was crazy. And I thought the justice system would reward me, but they failed me. But shit I did, I went to trial and I got away with it. So karma got me for that too. Because in Nassau, I did some shit. I went to trial and I got away with it. Yes. And somebody got hurt and cut and cut up for reasons and shit. But then shit I didn't do, I went to jail for karma. Shit, I remember when somebody tried to do a buck fifty on my face, you know, oh shit, he's not fucking standing there when he tried that. What? Yeah, I was on the corner in the middle of the block, guy came up to me, he's like, yo, you don't belong here, and I was like, well, what do you mean, and as soon as when he swung, I fucking did like the Matrix shit, and I was like, and I won't say what I did after that, I don't want to incriminate myself. Well, in Canada, it's even more. In Canada, it's, it's it's not as bad as United trial. States. I had a whole white trial. Oh, I damn. Think I think a, 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 a lie detector test. They denied it and everything. They denied you the lie detector test? That's fucked. Yep. They denied it. That is it, fucked. It, it, don't, it, it don't stay in Commonwealth State. It don't stand up in the state of law. I said I didn't do it. Well, yeah. Because, like, the only thing you have is your word and your balls. My word and my balls. And I'm going to give them up for nobody. That's a fact, Mr. Murray. That's a big fact. <laughs> word. You know, Mr. I always knew you were a real one from the jump. I'm not a liar and I don't steal from people. <laughs> you know, um... I don't fabricate the truth. I have integrity. And I'm on the forefront of hip-hop to further the culture. And that's what it's all about. Because I'm going to be up front with you, Mr. Murray. When I was playing Def Jam Vendetta as a preteen, yo, nobody could fuck with me when I was you. Nobody. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Because I still, um, <coughs> I just show my kids. I got four girls. 
Okay. I had to go get that video game. I was actually in a video game. Yes, sir, you were. Nobody could fuck me when I was Keith Murray. What console was that? PS4 and GameCube. I mean, sorry, sorry, PS2, PS2. So once we get off the phone, I'll send you everything through the text message, Mr. Mary. That's crazy. No, that, no, this is... You a unique individual because you go into debt of the artist. Really? Yeah. I'm just... And the fan can be awakened for those who know and those who don't know, and then we can continue the legacy. But that's what hip hop should be about, though, is informing the people about your accomplishments. Exactly. Like, like I said, Mister Mary, I was born in the wrong era. I should have been born in '81 because me born in '91, man. Some of these kids, yo, I don't relate to them. I don't like. I should have been born in '81. But you was born when you was born, and now you have to do your work and bridge the gap. That's what I do. I bridge the gap, so everything's a potential melting pot. You know, Tech from Smith and Western told me the exact same thing you just said: bridge the gap. Yeah, that's one of our best friends. You know, General Steele also appeared on the show too. Tech and Steele, those are one of my two of my best friends. Those are the most humblest legends I've ever talked to. Yeah, we came up together. They got a new album, too. Shout out to the new album. Oh, I bought that on vinyl and CD. The All. Huh? The All. The All, yeah. I bought that on vinyl and CD. My new album is called The the Most Ugliest Thing in This World, produced by Eric Sermon. Oh, so it's not the... So so was it originally titled The Beauty of It All? No. Okay. That was a while back. Yes. And now me and Eric Sermon is sitting together now tweaking the most ugliest thing in this world to come out soon so we can put out new music and let people see what we're doing here and what's going on. Would that be on Death Squad's uh, streaming or would that be on all the streaming sites, Mr. Murray? Well, you know, we have to do our due diligence to yes. have a spider web effect over a fixed transformation of time so that we can continue the legacy and that it still grow. Because you have to do your work. You eat what you kill now. Nowadays. I like that. And as fast as you can get it together, you can get it together. But you eat what you kill, baby. You're independent. That's a fact. What made you want to name it the ugliest thing of it all? Eric Sermon did. 
No way. They was like, yo, do the most beautifulest part two. Do the most beautiful part two. You can't do the most beautiful part two. Yeah, you can. You gotta do the most ugliest, because it's ugly out here. Oh. And then we could probably revisit that um, idea. Yo, that's you genius. You talk about a wide range of uh, things, a wide range of thought-provoking things, speech, and vocabulary, and sounds, and ideas, and message so it can go to a great body of work to continue the legacy and the synergy that the Death Squad had. You know what I'm saying? Is it really true? Is it going to be an Aldino part two? Well, I just talked to Redman on the text yesterday and I talked to Eric Sherman two days ago and it's up in the air and we're trying to figure out how we can put our posts on it because remember... Death Squad is a band of brothers, yes. solo artists that mesh together to come together. We know each other's families, a super group, and things of that nature, and we're solo artists. And Death Jam had put us together because of the album that they did for that album was called what in the beginning. The album was called uh, the sh- uh, Check Me Out. It was rap with every, all the groups did all the songs and we emulated the record and we did Rap is Delight and that came from that. So Death Jam actually do an album. We never was going to do a Death Squad album because we're all over the place. They just meshed together by the grace of God and became one. We never said, yo, Death Squad is going to be a crew with one album and do multiple albums. The solo groups of band of brothers, a band of brothers. But I bet that what makes the most timeless music is when a band of brothers that are established artists come together for a super group like that. Because I'm gonna tell you one thing, though. I played uh, full cooperation at some wedding. Yo, that wedding fucking went off. I ain't gonna front. You said what? When I played Checking Me Out for a wedding, yo, that whole wedding went up crazy, like fucking <laughs> celebrating. There, there was people on the table. There was, people, there was crazy, yo. I really wish I had that on video. Checking me out when I stepped in rocking the electric. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit. Having fun. Having fun, right? Yeah, so oh, they were getting lit. I ain't gonna front. They were getting lit to that at the wedding. Yeah, but it's one thing to have fun, be serious, and business. Yes. Freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, and make money through capitalist games. And we all can live together <laughs> and coexist, or we can all happily kill each other. <laughs> Yo, I love your energy, Mr. Murray. I even, even before I even had contact with you, I, when I listened to your music, I always knew that you were the exact same person outside of the music. Yeah, because my name is Keith Omar Murray. Junior, the black James Bond, the most eligible bachelor in the world, <laughs> but I respect all women and children, and I will run searches around you and hand you your ass. Um, interesting Negro in the universe. <laughs> um, so I have to ask Mr. Murray too, because you are the very first uh, platinum artist to ever appear on the show. What was the feeling like when you first got your gold album? What was that feeling like when somebody came and told you, yo, Keith, you know you went gold, right? Yo, that's crazy. I'm going to tell you a story that nobody has ever known. So, 
he smokes, God bless your day, right? God rest. You're on the road. The most beautiful thing in this world is rocking. <laughs> rocking. Then you got, I came to bring the pain, all goes the brain. That's what I'm talking about, astral plane. Then you got, juicy, y'all. Shout out to the people who was uh, helping me when I was just trying to feed my kids big, juicy. The cops call, call the cops on me, the teachers. That was the error, right? Murray was the third one. And so I was like, yo, at Jive Record, my popularity is not matching myself. What's going on? So, you know, I'm coming from the life of Rowley and Biggie is popping. He going platinum. Meth going platinum. Greg doing anything. And Murray is just still at gold. What's going on? So... Me, I come from Long Island. I come, I come from college, I come from streets, school, college, sports. I go, I get in the elevator, and there's Barry White, the president of Jive Russia. Jesus Christ, Barry White? Holy fuck! I said, yo, Barry, <laughs> what mind you? We doing, I'm doing all this promotion, I'm picking up the album. Everybody surpassing me. And Biggie was like, yo, Murray, your album is at a standstill. Remember, I'm on the plane with Puffy. Yes. Playing. We doing remixes. We going. We moving. Murray, you're the only one whose records at a standstill. And this was the time where people was like, yo, money was being stuck under the table. What's going on? So, I'm in the elevator. Larry Weiss is in the elevator. I said, yo, Barry, what's up? What's going on? How you doing? He said, oh, how you doing, Keith? I said, yo, my album is at a standstill. Everybody is going platinum. I'm gold. And I punched the wall in the elevator right by his ear. Ow! <laughs> 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 that had in the air. It was hell. And I think it was a guy named Horse. Jack Sledge was there. And, and Jeff. Uh, another guy, Jeff, two guys, and then there was a problem. Was like, yo, y'all ain't doing my work. Everybody is out here out telling me, out doing me. I'm running around here. I'm shining. I'm the most beautiful thing in the world. Why am I platinum? Yeah. The album comes gold. Bomb. Damn. Because you know that I had the number five. Then later on, like, after I get out of jail, Nas goes to uh, Death Jam. Yes. And he does the album with um, Damien Marley. Oh, yeah, Distant Relatives. So, Distant Relatives, yes. So, I'm in Central Park. And I'm with my man Pac. He's from Pakistan. The desert nigga. He's my business <laughs> partner. So, we in the back. The, the, the Jamaican flags is flying. Nas is rocking. And rocking and packed like yo Murray, where you got me at? This is crazy. I'm like, yeah, hi. <laughs> we walking, we see who? Barry White. Barry White says, "Oh shit, Barry, what are you doing?" Nas is standing there. Yeah. The concert is done. The concert is over. We in the back, cooling down. Jungle there. Nas there. We chilling. So. Barry White, I was like, hey, I didn't remember I left Death Jam. 
and I would I left jobs and I went to this camp. So we stand in there, we chill, we talking like, oh, it was a great show, you know, it was a wonderful show. You know, I, I'm not trying to ruffle no feathers. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, just having a good time, just seeing, letting Nas cool down. And then Barry White goes, Murray, remember you trapped me in the elevator and you punched me all behind my ear? <laughs> and you tried to beat me up? I said, oh, shit. Now you beating me up. <laughs> <laughs> he's a fucking billionaire, billionaire white guy. He's like, yo, he, yeah, he, 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 we laughing, we smiling, it's all tears. Remember you he brought the situation up when I was a little kid, volatile, I punch it. And I said, yeah, now you beating me up. Oh, shit, he's crazy. <laughs> and I said, yo, so, you know, and then I, this is when I was, uh, Giving my footing back right. Yes. Death Jam, I had the situation with Death Jam, and it wasn't going well. And then I nullified them, and I said, You got a business card? He said, I don't carry business cards. I only got business cards when I go to Japan. Call me. Had a good time. Nah, I went cool down. Me and Pac, my man, we left. Barry, uh, it was a good night, and it was just nice and flat. Wow, <laughs> I'm gl- that's crazy how you remember that after all these years. Be- because, like, that's crazy how he remembered that, was that after a classic all- moment right there. That was nobody ever knew, and now I was looking like, "Word, that happened." <laughs> <laughs> Word. And to this day, I still got a black cloud over my head. So the moral of the story is, please. Keith Murray is not going to do nothing to anybody or hurt nobody. I am an asset. I am not a liability. Corporate America, let me in and let me be the next billionaire, please. Congratulations on Oz's billions. His rise to his race to his billions with Master Kill and Barry Weiss in the business world. And I'm a very approachable, cordial guy. The most beautiful thing in the world. Album. Most ugly is coming now. <laughs> and for the P- Shameless plug. And for the U.S. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> and and for the U.S. government, if you're listening, Keith Murray's a citizen to society, so let him fucking come to Canada. Oh, your boy. Wait, the Barry White thing and the business thing and the black cloud. I'm a very approachable guy. And I love everybody and come out to the shows and support my brand through the internet. It's what's very important, the internet. And yes, please, let Keith Murray in Canada. They will not let me in Canada. I know they won't. I know they won't. We are, we are, have the most fucked up laws out here. It is fucked. But let we, but, but, but yet. Yo, you fucked up my Barry White's Death Jam story. But Canada is another thing. Oh my God. Oh, Canada. You got to come to Canada, Mr. Canada. Mary. We have the best weed out I here. I love you, Canada. But please, let you Mary in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and when you do get here, I have to allow it on deck for you. No charge. Yo, they got black um, squirrels in Canada. Yo, actually, there's like five in my backyard right now. I'm looking at them right now. Yo, they got black squirrels in Canada. Is that like something unique? Hey, Igor. I'm doing a radio interview. 
Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Hey, chill. I never have seen that. Square, youngster, gray, something like a little black, you know? Really? Yeah, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to Mr. Murray. All right. You know black squirrel? No. They don't know what about it. There's no black squirrels in America. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, Mr. Murray, what color are the squirrels? <laughs> What color, are the squ- what color are the squirrels in USA? What do you mean what color are the squirrels in USA? Squirrels all the world. Great. Because <laughs> I, be- I, I never been to the USA. Never. Never? Never, ever, ever. Oh, uh, I got to get your paperwork right. You got to come to the USA, buddy. Me and you need to do a radio show. USA Canada Brothers. <laughs> the brothers... We're brothers, we're brothers, we're brothers, Black Squirrels. The Black Squirrels is the show. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, that's the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. Yo, the whole world don't know there's Black Squirrels in Canada. Yo, that is crazy. Yo, I still can't believe that. Yo, don't let nobody know that. We're going to make t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> do not, yo, don't hear this interview yet. No, I'll cut that part out. I'll cut the black squirrel part out. <laughs> we'll get that paper right. Yeah, we got we, we, we got um, what's that shit called? Uh, now we got to trademark that shit. <laughs> yeah, the Low and Keith Murray Show, Black Squirrels. Yeah, I got a brain fart. It's so funny, I got a brain fart. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See, I want to do radio. See, this is another side of me. I'm a Gemini and I want to do radio. Oh, you're a Gemini. You really to do radio. Wow, you're like my dad. My dad's a Gemini before I lost him. Huh? I said you're like my dad. My dad's a Gemini before I lost him. Oh, God bless his dad. Yeah, wait. Oh, no, he's not he's dead. He just he just hooked on drugs. Oh, you said you lost him. Yeah, but he's hooked on drugs, so I, I don't get to see him. Like, he... he oh, you sound somber when you say it. You lost him. Well, in New York, we say we lost somebody. It means he died. Oh, really? Yeah, no, the slang up here, yeah, it's totally different. Oh, yeah, the, the language barrier. See, another thing is language barrier to music. Yes. Music is, uh, uh, covers all language barriers. I be in countries that don't know English, that know music. I was in Japan when I was 20 years old. What? They knew the whole words to the most beautiful thing in the world, but they don't know no English. They didn't. You were 20 years old in Japan? Holy fuck. Yeah, they didn't know no English, but they knew every word to the song. That's why hip-hop is a universal language, I always tell people. Yo, and hip-hop is everything. Hip-hop took me all over the world. I would have never went to Japan if it wasn't for hip-hop. <laughs> 
everywhere. We never would have got all this classic music from you too if hip hop didn't exist. Huh? I said we wouldn't uh, wouldn't have gotten all this classic music from you if hip hop didn't exist. It's a beautiful thing. That's crazy. Um, so, Mr. Mary, I won't take out much of your time, too. This is the question I ask all my... What is it, the podcast? Yeah, well, we'll be on iHeartMedia, too. It's like an hour show. All, all my interviews are 45 minutes to an hour, Mr. Mary. I won't lie. How long we been on the air? Hour and two minutes. Because the show is, just, I, I walk from the house to the store, <laughs> to the house, you know what I'm, I'm not just sitting in one office. The is crazy. I heard you moving around. Um, but like I said, I won't take up much of your time, Mr. Murray. This is a question that I ask a lot of my guests. And the reason why I ask this question is your words can literally save someone. So with that being said, do you have any words for somebody in a dark place that is trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Wait, that's crazy because remember, go back to the incarceration thing. Yes. When I was incarcerated, I got a letter from a female that said that she was going to commit suicide. But when the most beautiful thing in this world video came on, she didn't commit suicide. I can't find that letter nowhere. She said, yo, I was going to end it all. But when your video and your song came on, Keith Murray, I did not kill myself. Yo, that shit took me for a loop. Damn. But that's how... And po- I realized how powerful music is. Yeah. But I just don't have the support system around me and the energy to prevent it on a day-to-day basis. I have to get with the organization. Anybody who's out there listening can point me in the right direction and I can know how to use so much of my time to, you know what I'm saying, dedicate... I can help, but damn, that's crazy. Somebody actually told me that. And my darkest hour, her darkest hour, she didn't kill herself through a letter music. And that's why I love hip-hop, because it saves people's lives. It was the title of the song. Yeah. Oh, it was the title. Wow. Because she realized that life is the most beautiful thing in this world. You know, that's, you know, Crooked Eye said that, and he's my idol. Crooked Eye's my idol. You know, he said that's the that's most. one of my friends. One of my good friends. You know, he. Me and, Keith, me and Cannabis did an album and he was on it. You know, um, Crooked Eye was the person who showed me dreams come true. Because uh-huh. he told, because he said something in the Sway interview that the most beautiful and in this world is the greatest hip-hop record ever and I truly believe that. He said that? Yeah, he said that right beside you. Wait, Crooked Eye said the most beautiful thing in this world is the best hip-hop record ever? One of the greatest and he said that right beside you oh, on the one swing. of the greatest? Yeah, one of the greatest. Oh, he said that? I forgot. I didn't know that. It's documented, Mr. Murray. It's actually on the Sway uh, Universe interview that y'all did together. Send me that link. I gotta see that. I will. I'll send you a bunch of links to the Death Squad album, that that video game, and that, Mr. Mary. Okay. 
But, but, but before I let you go, Mr. Murray, is there anything that you want to plug in before I let you go? Once again, I really do thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this because you, man, I still can't believe this is happening. Thank you, Mr. Murray. Yeah, you never know what happens until you talk to a person. I bet you weren't expecting these questions either. <laughs> yeah, it was a good mood, a good place. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you do interviews, you have to say, okay, it's press day. Yeah. You go into this office, you sit there, and you go through all your press, and you talk to all your people to push your brand. This is vicarious. And, uh, we meshed good, and it was great. We meshed. That's what I love. That's why some things don't happen. But I don't know how far this will go. Maybe I can use it. You can use it. And somebody can, it can help somebody. Because it helped me. Tell you what, Mr. Mary, it sure helped me. Is that anything? Well, maybe we should cut that part out. Oh, yeah, don't worry. Whatever you want, cut out. I'll cut right out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want, cut out. I'll cut right out. I got mad. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I got <mad> too. <laughs> this is a real one on the phone for the listeners listening. You, you don't get more authentic than this. Most people, when they reach Mr. Murray stardom, they'll be so fucking Hollywood. Mr. Murray is one of a kind. Yeah, but if, if you didn't catch me at the time... I walked from the house to the store. I got in the quiet place by the store. He probably wouldn't have got this type of energy. If I was in the house, it would have been different. Time, energy, and space is very important, too. So get out and get some fresh air, people. Keith Murray, the most ugliest thing in this world, coming at you soon. Peace. That being said, it's another classic interview from the very first Golden Platinum artist to ever appear on the show. The one and only Keith Murray. Yeah, stretch your legs, ride the bike, you know? <laughs> nice to be nice.